everybody. Welcome uh, back to the Whole Home Podcast. And we had a last minute change of guests, so I'm feeling a little vulnerable tonight, but I am definitely excited. How are you feeling, Ashton? Feeling excited and stoked. <laughs> <laughs> so when I asked you to swap dates, you had already sent me your notes because you had finished them extra early. Mm. And your readiness, I feel like, was a really smooth transition to tonight. So thank you for being ready and um, willing to come on with me. Thanks for having me. It's a joy. And thank you, Lord, for whatever you have for us tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, my guest tonight is the wonderful Ashton Tower. Welcome. <laughs> so, Ashton, I know you a little less well than some of the other ladies that I have interviewed mm-hmm. so far. But one of the clearer memories I have of us is kind of funny. I don't know if you remember this or not. Do you remember when we went dancing Oh my goodness, no. How did no. I, how did I that on my mind? I had no idea. I was like trying to really dig back deep. And I was like, wait, we went dancing for Audrey Love's birthday. Okay. Some other ladies, yes. like forever ago. Oh my goodness. Okay, now wow. it's coming back. Now to you. it's coming back. Wow, that's in the recess of the recess. <laughs> I'm so proud that you found that. <laughs> Do you have a better memory? I don't know than that no, one. No, that's, that's amazing. I was trying, yeah, I was really trying to think of like how... And when I met you, and I was just like, I'm, to be fair, I'm not the type of person that always remembers how I meet people. Yeah. But I always Same. remember, like, the, uh, what they give off when I meet. Like, the first type of uh, impression. Impression, yeah. yeah. Uh, for people. So, uh, yeah, when I was like, oh, oh my gosh, like, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but so I, crazy. yeah, it was funny, though, because I remember, like, we weren't trying to get any fellas. So we were just like, dance with the <laughs> no, ladies, we dance with the ladies. <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like our husbands have gotten to know each other pretty well over the years, like connected a lot through evangelism, and then our daughters Mm -hmm. are writing a story together, which is really sweet. Little writing buddies. Yeah, but anyways, we're still sisters in Christ. Absolutely. Still sisters, and I know um, there's no doubt we share a lot of the same Mm -hmm. loves, cares, concerns, all of those things. Mm -hmm. So That's right. Yeah, and I don't know, like I said, even though... We don't cross paths, but so much like from afar, mm-hmm. I just wanted to say um, that I affirm your perseverance in the faith, mm-hmm. your creativity, your servant heart, and your detailed care for women. And mm-hmm. I know I see those things, and I have no doubt that a lot of women see those things in you as well. God, thank you. So let's dig into your background. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. <laughs> so this is the soil section of the podcast. Okay. And the questions from this part are like making the colors of our portraits just a little more vivid for each other. Mm. Um, I don't know, but background stories aren't always super fun to share. Sure. <laughs> I know that my story <laughs> carries a lot of pain, mm. painful memories, and mm. um, not something that I always want to talk about. I don't know if that's the case for you or... Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> like we all have the, <laughs> the thorns in the sides or the the parts of our story that were like, hmm, if we could, you know, delete, no, nah, no, nah, like, yeah. that'd be cool, but, uh, yeah, but the Lord has taught me that there's actually more good there than, than we realize, but it takes a lot of, uh, looking back to see all that, uh, in the moment, it doesn't seem so that way, um, but he is kind to us to show us that yeah. now with more time and, uh, space from it, so, absolutely. So, before we do that, though, Let's just pray for God's help. Yes. Do you want to pray for us, Ashton? Yes. Um, Father, we just thank you that... 
from your hands come very good gifts, um, and that includes tonight, um, that this is a good gift, a conversation where we just literally get to um, spotlight your uh, great goodness in our life, uh, you starting your story in us, and you will bring it to the end. So, Lord, we just come with empty hands, knowing that um, we are empty vessels and we need you to fill us up. Spirit, we need you to fill our hearts and fill our mouths with the truth that needs to be said, um, because we have nothing to offer these women but Christ, um, and that is the greatest treasure we could ever offer. So I pray in this time that you just be magnified, Lord, um, through our lives, and that we would just get to... Uh, praise you that this would just be a worship and that I pray that if there's a woman listen to this uh, podcast who um, is is an orphan and lost and not home that she would uh, find her way home to you Christ through this good news um, and then if she is already a daughter of the most high that she would be built up and encouraged uh, as your daughter and that she would um, walk uh, faithfully and joyfully in the grace that you have um worked in her life. So thank you for the gift of Laura and this uh, beautiful desire you've put in her heart that is a reflection of you. Um, we pray that you would be honored and glorified. Amen. Thank you, Ashton. So first question is really simple. Where did you grow up? Well, where did I grow up? Uh, well, I was born in the in the deep hills of Tennessee. Oh, well, I was like, the deep hills? <laughs> the what deep are we going to I always think of like Little House on the Prairie when I feel like I tell people about Tennessee. They're yeah. like, well, did you have cows? I'm like, yeah, we kind of did. Really? <laughs> yes. Okay. So I grew up a little bit uh, on a couple different farms. Um, my, my parents' parents were many generation farmers so oh my goodness. Um, yeah so I was grown into a family that did not enjoy being part of a farm uh and rejected it because they didn't like it and so they okay. went and made their own way but we were still in Tennessee uh at that time so I have vivid memories of being on like an old farmhouse with like a, a an outhouse to go to the bathroom oh my I'm goodness so your well. childhood bathroom is the outhouse yeah, I, went, I think for like half of a year of my life, we, I rocked an outhouse. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Makes you real grateful for it. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. <for> plumbing. <laughs> no doubt. So do you ever go back to there? Do you have family back there in Tennessee? Yeah, I have um, a bunch of family that settled in Seymour, Tennessee. It's kind of close to Pigeon Forge, if anyone's uh, familiar with all of that. Um, so we visited a couple times them, uh, specifically where I grew up. We haven't actually, I don't remember last time I've been back because it's such a backwoods part of yeah. Tennessee that like you would literally have to be going to see that farmhouse. So it's so crazy how I have memories, but yeah, now that I think about it, I, I don't remember the last time I was back. And I, I don't even know if I would know how to get there. It's yeah. Crazy so thing. paint me a picture like grocery store. Piggly Wiggly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just, I just oh remember God. having Piggly Wiggly hats and like shirts. No I, mean, I guess branding has always been a thing, even for small towns. But I just remember. And it's so funny because it's such a niche Tennessee thing that sometimes yeah. if you mention Piggly Wiggly, like the Tennessee folks will come out of like the corners of yeah. the room like, excuse me, <laughs> did you say Piggly Wiggly? You know? <laughs> that, that's my Tennessee that comes out of oh <laughs> I'm my like, goodness. you're right. That's right. It was like literally one grocery store in the whole entire small town. So yeah. we couldn't go up and be like, Walmart has better prices. We just have to be like, it is what it is, Piggly Wiggly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So who, tell me about your family dynamic. Like who was... Who made up your family? Um, I came from, um, I learned this later on in life, um, because the distinct memories I had was um, kind of being 
predominantly raised by uh, my mama, which is grandma in country language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For all of you guys, like, what's a mama? Uh, by my mama. Um, but then, you know, obviously knowing my mom was there, um, later on discovered because I was born out of wedlock. And so my mom was a single mom for at least four years okay. when I was first born. Um, and, and yeah, my mom was put into a bad position where the man that she choose chose to conceive me with was just a bad guy and yeah. uh, um he didn't want to have anything to do with me the moment he knew I was a thing um so he bounced and uh and my mammal um I found on later on life was a Christian and she essentially kind of like stepped in and um wow. uh and essentially saved my life because they were going to uh you know, not carry on with the pregnancy would be the, you know, politically correct way of saying it. But um, because she would have been in a, she's, she was in a small town, everyone talks. Yeah. Um, And so my mom said, no, this, this child uh, is precious. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm going to, I'm going to essentially help you raise this child and Mm -hmm. be what, you know, her father should have been. So it's so beautiful that that those are like distinct memories I had of like my mamma being very motherly and very much involved. Um, And then four years when I was four years old, my mom met what became my adoptive dad, uh, which I did grow up thinking he was just my dad, like because I didn't know. I mean, when you're four, someone comes in your life, calls himself dad, you're like this is dad. Yeah. Uh, and he really was. I mean, he stepped in and he, he saw this woman with a child and I never felt like I wasn't his, you know, his kid. So, um, so that was a huge wow. God thing, you know? So it's, it's so cool. Cause it's like, even in the very beginning, you see God just say, Hey, no, your life is mine. And I have a, I have a plan for you. Um, yeah. and intervening already, you know, through his people in the very beginning. Um, through my mom also. So yeah, it ended up being my mom, my adoptive dad. Um, and then literally a year or two after I think they got married, my sister came along. So okay. it ended up being um, just us four in the whole world. Um, my mom ended up passing later on when I was in uh, middle school. So that was a hard, hard hit. Mm. But um, but yeah, then it was just us so four. So she lived with you guys? She, uh, we lived in this, the small town we lived in. She was actually right next door. Okay. <laughs> so she was like our next door neighbor, which is a huge gift um, because my family life was not ideal um, because they come from... Uh, bad cycles, but you know, bad sin cycles. Mm-hmm. So literally my mamma's house was like a really beautiful refuge. Like I could just literally go next door and, yeah. you know, uh, essentially, you know, feel at home and feel like this is my spot in the world. So, um, so yeah, she was just like next door. And then we ended up moving from Tennessee, um, to more around local area here. Uh, Goochland would be the Oh, that's a really big change. Yeah, yeah. They had a, my parent or my mom had friends that had just upped and moved here. I do not know to this day what brought them to Goochland, Virginia. It's just like, it's a very specific (laughs) spot. So I'm just like, I don't know how you got the map. I was like, yeah, Goochland, that's the one. Uh, But they did. And so I guess they were communicating to, you know, my mom just how great it's been. And 
like I said, that small town dynamic of they were known, uh, kind of their past and their yuckiness was known. And Mm -hmm. so they were probably the talk of, I was so young, I didn't know, but they were probably the talk of the town Mm -hmm. and not the best of ways. And so that drove them out of that small town. They were just sick of everyone talking them about them at Piggly Wiggly, you know? Yeah, so you said middle school? Yeah, so I was around 10 years old that we finally um, moved from Tennessee to And that's when your grandma passed. Yeah, it was was very strange. It was like literally right, it's maybe two to three months after we had moved, um, which in my small kid-like mind, I was like, she died of a broken heart because I left her, you know, like, which is, that's very silly. She was very much an older lady and had health, you know, complications, and that's what it was, but Mm -hmm. it definitely was a beautiful thing because it, well, it was beautiful in the sense of it it brought me kind of to a place where I, I, I didn't think I believed in God at that time just because of the household I grew up in, but, like, I found myself being angry at God because she passed away yeah. um, and, like, just being outraged. And it was kind of one of those moments where I had to be like, I can't be angry at someone that I don't think exists, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and the reason I didn't think God does exist because I came from a broken home and, you know, no one was telling me about God. And, in fact, everything in that household was just not indicative of there being a God. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just, you know, I thought, oh, I just don't believe in God. And then, you know, then my mamma, my mamma just a vessel of grace that I see that now, but didn't realize it then, was taken away. And then I was like, okay, now I'm angry at this God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of a blessing in disguise that, like, it kind of shook me up in a, in a good way to be like, well, Clearly, I'm shaking my fist at someone. Yeah, you know? probably uh, started something in you from a young age to grapple with yeah. that greater question. Absolutely, yeah, because I think it had to. I had to come to face to face with death, you know, at a very young age. If someone's significant, you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. other people had passed away, but when you like live life with someone and then they're not there, like that's when death feels like it comes home, you know, and yeah, it hits absolutely. you that way. So, so yeah, it was definitely a good, but it was a good hit. And then I was moved to a place where I didn't have friends and you know didn't know a lot of people because when you're in a small town uh it's pretty easy if you just live there your whole life to kind of be uh popular or have friends because it's just mm-hmm. like you're you've been together since you were like two you know in the creek yep. falling finding crawdads <laughs> uh, you know that was you. maybe not to me <laughs> maybe not you I don't ever, that's how we made our friends like what type of crawfish you got though um i love it but uh yeah so taken out of like hey i had some friends and it was all growing great and i yeah. had like this awesome and then to goochland which is also it's still kind of like a country small town but yeah. um but I didn't know anyone, and so, and then I was dealing with, like, this big grief, and then having a broken household, so it literally kind of, I think, brought me to the end of myself in, in really good ways, and set God up to be like, I'm coming. He'd been yeah. coming from the beginning, clearly, but, like, ha- helping clue me in on this. Sure, on this so, <laughs> as a kid, give us a little picture of your personality, though, like, mm. That's a, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, I was definitely tomboy through and through. Okay. I had like 10 boy cousins. Uh, I lost two of my kid teeth to, to wrestling with them, as they oh say. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. Like punches? Like yeah. What? I mean, I don't think we were like boxing each other. I think we were literally like grappling on the ground and then a foot, probably an elbow. Who knows? It just knocked it clean, clean out, uh, okay. which is crazy because recently my son lost one of his teeth by his sister accidentally kicking him. And I just <laughs> felt like it brought me back. Yeah. I felt I was like, I feel this. Yes. And it's kind of like a good way to lose a tooth because you don't have to think about it. It's just like it's gone, you know. Yeah. Thankfully, it was kid teeth. So we're thankful for that. So, yeah, yeah just tomboy. tomboy. 
always, you know, kicking it. I just, it's so weird. I didn't see, like, the dynamic between little girls and little boys. I think I was just, like, I loved being outdoors. I loved, Mm -hmm. um, I spent most of my time in this small little creek, like, I mean, I used to just, like, lay in the creek and let, like, lizards and stuff crawl on me. Like, I was just, like, one with the earth. So, I guess, like, yeah. a weird mix of tomboy and flower child. Like, <laughs> if you could have that combination. And, um, yeah, and so just love to be outdoors. I just remember not having a lot of memories indoors. It was always, like, usually outdoors. It wasn't until we moved that then that shifted, you know. Yeah. Did um, you like school? I really was into reading I was into science in the way that, like, observing the world. So, like, mm-hmm. biology was my jam. Like, I was like, I love look at the world and all this stuff, you know. Um, but it was more like my nose was always in a book, um, which to me, books were an escape, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I know I've talked to a lot of book lovers. I think sometimes when you come from, like, a certain type of household, books can be a refuge. Yeah. Uh, can be something you run into to be like, let me just pretend like this is my world, you know? So because of that, I just ended up reading tons of books and, um, which has, I think served me in the season of just being able to give good stories to, you know, to my kids. Um, because I've read so much that I've read a ton of bad stories, ton of good (laughs) stories and all in between. And I didn't have a filter. So I was just like all the stories. But then when you have wisdom come in, you start to be like, Oh, maybe that's not the most profitable story. But yeah. So I would say like nose in a book for sure. Um, wasn't very math smart. Very wasn't, I didn't, I honestly thought I was like genetically wired to not do math. Well, like Mm -hmm. I thought that was a legit diagnosis uh it could be it could be I mean my husband reminds me all the time like he's like no that that's not true I think it was because it was told to me like math just doesn't run in your in your family in your genes I'm like okay that sounds right yeah that's why why division is so hard um so yeah way more literature art um Mm -hmm. and then art became one of my other refuges because it was uh I had an art teacher that really took an interest in me for whatever reason probably could pick up on some cues of like this kid looks like she needs some love Um, and just taught me how to take all of you know the things that were on my inside and help me put it on the outside Um, that's that's the way what grade was that do you remember right around the time we moved so it was around fifth grade um, which around that time like I said I think it was like combination of loss and then uh, just moving that yeah. maybe that's what the teacher was picking up on. Like, wow, she looks pretty lost, you yeah. know, and looks like she's going through some stuff. And uh, she just taught me to help put it, like, get it out of me, you know, and put it out on whatever forms. And it was the first time someone told me, like, wow, you're, you're like, pretty gifted in this, you yeah. know. Like, I think I was always, like, just written out off as, like, the tomboy wildflower child, you know. But someone being like, man, like, you're actually naturally like inclined to be gifted in this way. So Mm -hmm. put your hand to it, practice it. You could get really, really good at this. Um, And so at that time I was so hungry for affection and love that it's like, of course I'm going to be like, yes, give give it to me. So, um, so yeah, I just kind of like headfirst went into art, like just all the forms, all the mediums. Cause I was just like, man, if I could be good at this, let Mm -hmm. me just explore all the different ways I could be good at it or ways I could explore it. And, and my art teacher was just really kind and always 
her big closet, supply closet was always open to me. Um, yeah. She was always cool with me coming there for lunch or, you know, different things. So, so yeah, I guess like a little bit of a nerd, but very artsy, um, artsy kid, uh, which threw me into other things like theater. I feel like once you go into one art, you're like, <laughs> let's explore them all. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why so not? where was your sister in all this? Were you close to her or who were you close um, to? Well, yeah, she, we're, we were four years uh, apart. Um, so it kind of felt like we were living two different stages. Um, and I didn't realize until we were older that I guess my younger self obviously knew we weren't from the same father, mm-hmm. even though, you know, later on life, I, my brain had like blocked out the fact that we weren't, um, because we always felt like we were, they, people would even describe us like night and day. We were so different. Okay. Um, in a lot of ways, the way we looked. Were you night or were you day? I was night. Okay. <laughs> now we're getting to I it. I was going to say, I'm a night owl <laughs> for sure, through and through. Uh, definitely the, the darker side of the, of the moon. Um, yeah. I mean, even just how we look, like I've always been like, you know, the Casper white girl, uh, you know, yeah. that like, what is the sun, you know? Uh, and then my sister, the opposite cocoa bean like look like she got kissed by it like just you know sun sun lady and so even just looks wise we looked very different mm-hmm. so it's like all the clues were kind of there that we weren't you know uh, the part of our uh, genetics weren't of the same but but yeah we I think we kind of lived separate lives in a lot of ways um and weren't connecting as friends not until later on mm-hmm. uh, I think until um, probably around like later middle school, high school. And I think part of that for her was she was always known as like Ashton's sister, you know, like, okay. so in our friend groups, Oh, you're Ashton's sister. Oh, you're Ashton's sister. Yeah. And I can imagine how living under someone's shadow like that could be, uh, just could be hard to relate to that person. If you feel like you're always being compared, yeah. um, you know, to them. And I was wired from the very beginning to be a people pleaser in a lot of ways. So I was very good at pleasing people. So I can imagine that was hard, you know, like too, to be like, ah, it can't be as pleasing as my sister (laughs) while I'm over here. Like, you don't want to be me. You don't want to be me. You know? Yeah. Uh, So weird. I don't remember what actually connected us, but yeah, it was like later on in life that we really connected and Mm -hmm. became friends. And where does she live now? Um, she's still, uh, in Goochland. Goochland. Um, yeah, she's still in Goochland. Um, uh, she's, she ended up, uh, taking care of my mom, um, and her, my mom, I think it's, yeah, it's coming, it just passed a year of my mom's passing. Um, and so she ended up taking care of her, uh, till, till she passed away. Yeah. Um, uh, because me and my mom just always had a very, um, just stormy relationship. Um, and I think a lot of that was because of what I reminded her of, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm part genetics of the man that was very terrible to her. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, she had dreams and aspirations to leave the small town and okay. me being her getting pregnant with me and actually keeping me, you know, uh, that killed that dream essentially um she had to give up her life for for me and I think that was always really hard for her um and then you know and then when I came to know Christ later on uh in high school I think that was just like the last straw um because I think for her she really my mom really in her mind was like I'm going to since I had to lose my dreams and my life and my aspirations, I'm going to live vicariously through my daughter in a lot of ways, gotcha. uh, which I understand now that I'm a mom. I understand that temptation for sure, and uh, I know I have to battle it in my own ways. Um, but I have the spirit, and my mom didn't. She yeah. you know, wasn't a Christian. And so um, so when I came to know Christ, I think that was, like, the further, like, she just lost her dream. Like, I started living for Christ and not for what she thought would 
you know, what her opinion was, what, what the life track she wanted me on basically essentially. And, and I think that was just like the final hit and it was really hard for her. So she, um, she in a lot of ways disowned me and kind of was like, well, yeah, if I can't have all, I don't want any of it, you know. Yeah. Um, but weirdly enough, with my sister, I think she had more of that ability to influence her. And so mm. she just created a different bond with my sister. And then my sister, poor thing, got stuck in the middle, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it was, I'm sure that was harder for her most because I always told my sister, hey, you're not picking sides with me, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I love mom. Um, she knows I love her. But... Is I can't, you know, put aside Christ to to live the way she wants me to live. So, so. when did, because you had mentioned uh, an awareness of God when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Like, did someone take you to church or how did you yeah. care about that? And you said you became a Christian in high school. Something must yes. have been going on. Yes, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> like yeah. I said, yeah, I think uh, losing my memo was like the first uh, just God waking me up, you know, to what he had been doing. Cause clearly he's like, clearly you're mad at me. Yeah. So, uh, clearly you're, uh, thinking I'm existing. Um, so yeah, because I came from a broken home of just, um, you know, it's kind of like abuse bursts abuse. That's just kind of the cycle it gets into. I just looked for any excuse once I could, you know, get out on my own, like drive mm-hmm. on my own. I got my own job. Like, I just tried to be as independent as possible because I didn't want to be in my house um, because it was broken. And, yeah, just essentially I just didn't want to be there. Um, So, and add teenage angst to that. It's it's the perfect storm. So I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm an outsider. No one gets me. So I probably was giving off some serious, like, breakfast club, you know, vibes. (laughs) But, like, the you know, the outsider. No one gets my life. With a flower in your hair. With a flower in my hair, yes. Yeah, Yeah, all the characters wrapped up in one. Um, So I ended up, because this was another aspect, because, you know, when you don't have, when you come from a house that's lacking in affection and, and love and stuff, you'll especially if you don't have Christ and you're a female, you'll start uh, trying to get it in whatever way that you can. And so yeah. one of the ways was like, you know what? I can look back and be this frank now, but I didn't believe this in my head. But to be really frank, I'm going to get really beautiful and I'm going to break all types of dudes' hearts. Like, yeah. like, you know, in my mind, like, it was just like, let me get all the affection I can in whatever way I can get. Yeah. And so I ended up um, being very unhealthy with food, exercise, all of those things. But that was essentially what God, the very idol that I was really trying to, like, chase for power, he used to, like, bring me to him. And so mm-hmm. one of the things was is I was like, I'm going to join a sports league because, you know, when you have unhealthy relationship with exercise, people start to kind of pick up on some cues, you know. And so then in order to not get find out, you know, found out, I was like, I'll join a, join a sports team and then yeah. it'll make sense why I work out so much, you know, like because mm-hmm. it's for the team, you know. And so I joined the sports softball league that essentially you pay to get into. So don't be super impressed. But like <laughs> I paid to get in. And I was like, hey, guys, I'm here. And I was terrible. I was, oh, my goodness. I was so bad. Um, and the coach, uh, clearly seeing how terrible I was, uh, yeah. was like, hey, um, here's my two daughters. It was like these twins. His daughters were on the team. Uh, here's, you know, them. Um, they would love to, like, be your friend and come early and, you know, us as a family, like, practice with you and help mm. you get better. And this is my wife, you know, like, and it was literally like this family kind of run this 
you know, ball team, which I was like, is this how all the leagues are? (laughs) Cool. Um, And yeah, essentially like they kind of like took me under their wings and they were definitely teaching me to be like a great first baseman. That's essentially the position I ended up landing in was first base, um, which is hard. (laughs) So that, that just speaks of the level of love and practice that they would practice to me to get me from being the worst player to like a first base player and going all-star like that's just a testament of their time that they spent with me because Mm -hmm. I mean I don't even know if I could try to calculate as an adult how much time they spent so essentially they took this kid who was like loner outsider you know uh clearly starving for affection and then just welcomed me in are you gonna tell me they love Jesus yeah it's getting okay good yeah they really love Jesus um yeah and they had me and I mean we definitely did the softball practicing but then I landed in their house for dinners Mm. um I was at their house more than I was at my own house and was just hearing Jesus a ton. And I grew up in Tennessee, so I knew who Jesus was, you know, like at least Tennessee Jesus, you know. If you don't want to burn in hell, Jesus. So I at least knew that version, you know. So I was like, man, but they like speak of him real differently, like, you know. Uh, also, they speak very differently to one another. Like, it's the first time I saw uh, parents apologize to their children. Oh, I was like, wow. what? That's powerful. Yeah, I was like, what in the world? Yeah. Parents don't apologize. That that never happens. Um, and hearing them say, you know, things like, can you pray for mom and dad? I'm like, what? <laughs> Way. Um, and so, yeah, so it's just like I was hearing it. And then they obviously were starting to talk to me, you know, about mm-hmm. it because they're Christians. And that's what Christians do. Uh, and I was just, man, I was probably that. Uh, dinner guests that no one wants to have over that's like makes it really uncomfortable I'm like well if God's so good guys are evil <laughs> so I made them real uncomfortable through every question and they weren't even like legitimate questions I was just so did they kid. ever say like let me tell you about the good news of Jesus yeah I mean they and, well, got that specific they did and they were just like they answered my questions like mm-hmm. in very sometimes the the answer was hey you know I'm not sure about that but like let's look in the Bible together let's or let's we'll take some time get in the Bible and then we'll you know show you next time we have you for dinner you know it's like they didn't they didn't shirk off they weren't intimidated by my questions they weren't like shocked by them and they weren't like they answered it to the best of their ability you know so were there other softball girls at the table or was like God put you specifically in their family yeah that was a while to say I mean maybe they did have other you know ones in their house I mean looking back I was so young and I didn't even have a context of why I was in their house for you know to begin with but um, I only remember me being uh, mostly in their house and part of it was their daughters equally just really befriended me and became some of my best friends Um, like these little girls you know who are in high school who weren't caddish weren't you know, yeah. like gossipers, like they actually wanted to get to know me. They were kind and gentle. I was like, who, where'd you get these little girl from? You know, like yeah. cause I've been dealing with mean girls and cat girls and came, became one myself. And, you know, so I was like playing that game. And so I was like, what is this? So, I mean, literally the whole aroma of their household was just different and beautiful. And it's just something that like, I looking back, like I couldn't get enough of and so that's why they could have this angry kid at their table asking all these questions and then come back for a dinner next week and be Mm -hmm. excited you know and so yeah they started sharing the gospel with me and like uh, reading the bible with me and then um and then they were like well hey why don't you come 
uh, join the girls for their youth group. Like, you know, it's a bunch of other kids, you know, who love Jesus and uh, the youth pastor and his wife are just real, you know, real awesome. And I was like, all right, cool. I've done church before. Like I said, Mm -hmm. I come from Tennessee. I've set foot in a church before. I don't think I'll go up in flames. We'll see. (laughs) Uh, And also it sounded fun, you know, because it was like, they're going to play football and, you know, and former tomboy me is like, football, let's go, you know. Let's get uh, some teeth. Let's <laughs> knock some teeth out. Uh, and so I, yeah. I get up in there, and yeah, same thing. I mean, I'm sure there was some kids there that really didn't love Jesus, but once again, the aroma was sure, so different. Yeah, once again, overall. yeah, these kids loving each other, like getting to know each other, like just, and weirdly, like praying for each other and talking about deep things. I'm like, what is happening? You know, I felt like I like stepped into Narnia, you know, um, and, and that's a good thing, you know. And so we're hanging out, kicking it with these kids. They're great. I'm like, cool, new friends, maybe. Uh, and then the youth pastor like gave me this like neon green sheet because, you know, it's the 90s and everything's neon. And, uh, and it was like, when is your spiritual birthday? And I was like, I'm like, bro, I'm like, I'm a cancer. Is that what you're talking about? Like my horoscope, I'm born in July. Like I, I'm literally speaking a different language. They're like, sure. and the youth pastor was like, oh, well, hi, hey, why don't you come like have a side conversation with me and my wife and we can explain what that means. And I'm like, sure, dude, let's, let's talk about it. What's your sign? You know, I'm like still in my own little world. And he's like, and basically he just starts speaking the gospel. And mm-hmm. it was one of those moments where I'm like, man, you know, I'd obviously heard it before. And clearly I was being touched already and like drawn in already from this family's household. But it's like I had tasted and seen, you know, in this family's household. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like it was like this pastor was speaking very specifically into things that I thought I was hiding very well. Like, and I'm sure part of me, I wasn't hiding very well, but it was almost like, you know, how you can set on a sermon some Sunday and you're like, dang, did Pastor James like read my diary? Like, you know, or like whatever. And you're like, dang, that rude, but also thank you, you know? And he was just speaking very specifically to like sin in such a way that woke me up. Like Mm -hmm. he was like speaking to it. Like it's a prison that I put myself into. And a lot of the things that I was delving into sin wise, it was, it was a cage I'd put myself in. But then he started just talking about God's love and uh, specifically like through Psalm 139, just how, you know, he's made us, uh, beautifully and wonderfully made um and at this point I hated myself I was Mm. disgusted about myself I thought God like messed up big time and I was angry at him for taking my memo and for making me disgusting (laughs) I was mad about a lot of things and you know just to hear like no God actually didn't make me that way um but then sin comes in busts all this stuff up but then yet still you know he pursues me uh and laid out Jesus dying on the cross, raising from the dead. And at this point, I know I'm a rebel. Mm-hmm. I know <laughs> I have messed up. Uh, I am adamantly against Jesus. And then I hear he dies for me. He raises from the dead for me. Um, he calls me daughter. He gives me that opportunity to be a daughter. And someone who is an orphan yeah. hears that and is like, what? Like, why? You know? Um, and so literally... I just had a moment. I am like laying, you know, uh, in the fetal position on this floor, this mm-hmm. like, you know, youth group house kitchen floor, like weeping my eyes out because I like it hits me for the first time. And I know not everyone's, you know, moments are that dramatic. I'm a dramatic person, so it only fits. Mm-hmm. But yeah, God just like for the first time opened my eyes and said everything was illuminated. Mm-hmm. Like my whole life, just seeing him step in time and time again and um, be for my good and like, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I see why my mama was so 
such a sweet gift to me. Yeah, like, you had eyes see, to see. Yeah. yeah, I see him in her. Like, I, like, later on I found a Bible where she was praying for me. Like, it was just, you know, we get emotional. But, yeah. um, you know, and then all of a sudden I understood this family who, I'm like, no wonder they're different. <laughs> no wonder if this is how they've been loved, then, wow, they're just giving me a, a glimpse of, like, the greatest of it all. And so, so, yeah, then I just legit was like, God, I'm yours. End of story. Whatever, yeah. whatever you need, whatever you want. And the most beautiful thing for me and what I will say that I knew Jesus had changed my heart, even looking back as an adult, is like in my heart of hearts because of the household I came into, I hated my parents. I hated them. Like mm-hmm. I did not want them to exist in the world um, because of what they had chosen to done or to do. And um, and all of a sudden I found myself like deeply loving them and wanting them to know Jesus for the first time and like praying for them and like boldly sharing the gospel with them. I mean, these are people that in my mind were my enemies, you know? And so I was like, dang, I can't do that. Cause this was the kid who didn't want any of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, so God has half, he, he has made something new here. Um, cause I didn't recognize myself anymore, you know, in the best of ways. So yeah. So it was just like, that was the moment when it came to life. And then after that, I was like, okay, God, where do you want me to go? What do you yeah. want me to do? Um, it's all for you. And so, um, so I was that weird kid in high school at sleepovers, like crying and pleading with her <laughs> friends to like trust Jesus like that. I was that weird kid that people were like, should we invite I her? I see back? you're eating a now and later, but later <laughs> yes. you need to reckon with Jesus. So now that's trust right. him. Like, that's right. I'm like literally like through my head here just be like, trust Jesus, come on. And they're like, wow, okay, you're a lot. Uh, <laughs> So I've, I've refined my evangelism approach a little bit, but, uh, but definitely like a burning in my heart to be like, you can use that now and later, by the way, I will will. pass it to Kyle. He will love that. He will love it. I'll tuck it away in my pocket. Yeah. So yeah, that's, so you were still in your home. Mm -hmm. You, so you graduated high school. Did you go to college? Were you working? Like what were you doing Um, in this time? Yeah. So around this time that was, um, kind of midway through high school uh, was about that time. And I could drive. I was like working a ton um, still in high school. Um, I had ended up uh, graduating early because I had part, partly done homeschooling. But because of that, I just ended up working more. And the goal was still to try to do the best I could to be independent. Okay. But that was because I saw that my mom's like big idol was controlling me and if I could show her that I didn't need her but I wanted her like I knew that that would be very powerful um for her to see that that like literally she paid for nothing she did nothing but like she had no strings to pull but Mm -hmm. I still wanted to be around her I still wanted to fellowship with her at the table I still wanted to enjoy her you know as a human being um so that was kind of the goal at the time um so you worked enough to get your own car like yeah. That's a big deal for a younger person. Yeah. I, I mean, like. it's kind of one of those things. It's like when people are like, man, you've had a, a rough you know, upbringing. But I'm like, but there is some sweet blessings in that because it just makes you be kind of forced to grow up in some ways. Like, which, you know, I know some people, they look at that as like just a curse. But, you know, now being the adult that I am, I saw it as a blessing because it really helped me to see, especially because it was matched with with coming to know Christ. Like yeah. it was matched with God has given me this ability 
like muscles and energy to work hard mm-hmm. and he's given me the opportunities for these jobs like those are from his hands on my own um, and he's called me to work hard with great joy so that I might be a blessing to others yeah. and so all of a sudden it wasn't about me trying to get out of my house for myself it was how do I still become independent have a place of my own so that I can bless others and how I can show my, my the people that I'm really trying to reach that I don't need you, but I want you. And that's more beautiful because essentially God doesn't need us, but he wants us. And that's very powerful. Um, So, yeah, so it was a, it was, I feel like it made going from high school to college an easier transition to me because it felt like it was just a different change of scenery, Mm -hmm. you know, not so much like the workload felt and honestly, college felt like a lighter workload because I was working so many jobs and going to high school and you're kind of trapped in high what school. What were a couple? You looked for Piggly Wiggly? No. Just kidding. <laughs> I, worked, I worked some Korean. Yeah, I worked at a gas Just station. Give us a couple. A couple <laughs> yeah. for fun. It's funny. The gas station, I was... I worked at the gas station and I like pumped gas. I also made pizzas because in the country, gas stations are not just for gas. Like they're okay. legit like restaurants. So like I made pizzas and fried chicken. I like okay. stacked, you know, um, literally within this one gas station, I found ways to get hired for three different things, you know, because I was like, <laughs> I see an opportunity here. Like I'm in one place and I can do so many. And it was basically like none of these Genius. teenagers, none of these teenagers wanted to do it. You know, like I'm above this. I'm like, I'm not giving me all the jobs, you know. Um, so I literally just tried to like, oh, you don't want to do that? I got it. You know, like you don't want to empty out the, the, the grease after the fried chicken. I got this. I might die, but it'll be worth it. You know? Uh, so that was one of the ones I did. I did a ton of babysitting. So weirdly enough, people thought I was responsible enough to watch their children. Mm -hmm. God bless them. And then just like off end jobs, you know, like I'll mow your lawn for Mm -hmm. this. I'll, you know, (laughs) like literally if I saw a sign, like help me. And I'm like, me? Maybe, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, it could be me. Back to that me. sermon thing. Like, was that for me? Like, yeah, yes, yeah, right? Yeah. I was like, is that sign put up for me? Are yeah. you speaking to me? So, yeah, those are just some weird, odd jobs. I feel like I clean people's houses. Literally, if someone would trust me to do anything, I was like, I'm here for it. And I'd be like, I'd even talk them into it. Like, yes, I'm the right person for this. Which, yeah. later on in my adult life, I'm like, it probably was how I was able to get some of my more adult jobs where I had to, like, convince people that I was, like, an expert here. Because mm-hmm. I had been doing it since I was a child like yes I'm an export lawnmower and I'm like I've never run one of these things but I'll figure it out <laughs> I'm like I'm like pulling up an encyclopedia like what's a lawnmower because that was google back in the day but uh, so you're the you're not afraid to try things is what I'm hearing from you yes yes I love to try new things and also it was just it was birthed out of like I saw what these things like the means to it I could see like what it could provide for me and mm-hmm. along the way it showed me like wow this is kind of cool to be able to know how to do this and mm-hmm. and then I just became one of those friends where people are like my car is making the sound right like what is that and I'm like that's the transmitter and they're like how'd you know that I'm like I don't know I ended up changing a transmitter I don't know what to tell you you know it's like, <laughs> so oh I just became one of those weird friends that are like how do you know how to do all this random stuff I'm like listen <laughs> okay so if you could this is a very broad question like pull out a sweet memory from your past yeah I tell this to a lot of people because I feel like um one of the questions that I got asked a lot when I was an adult was like if you could go back in history like where would you go you know and part of that's because I'm a history nerd Mm -hmm. and so they're probably expecting me like want to go back to like the revolutionary war or like you know like I don't know hey kick it with like one of the presidents but I'm like no, I would literally go back uh, in time to my mammal's kitchen. Like, mm. that's where I would 
live forever. Um, Because I tell people all the time, like, I am a product of her legacy. Like, just a lot of stuff that I didn't realize the water I was swimming in with her. Like, the earliest memory I have is in that kitchen with her, like, making potato cakes. Um, Because she was the type of woman that there was no stranger she knew in the world. Like, everyone was welcome in her house. She was always feeding people. I never saw her, like, out of that kitchen, but so long, you know, like that was, but that was her happy place. She loved it there. And I was welcomed in at such a young age, like to just be there. I just remember like sitting on the counter. I'm pretty sure I had like mud on my feet because we all know I was hanging out in the creek and she was just like giggling with me with my muddy feet on the counter, you know? And I feel like that's where I, now when people like describe certain things about my life, it's like, I can't take credit for that. Like that's, that was caught, you know, in her household. So it's just like, if I could go back to some of the happiest times, it was like, it was always in that kitchen, but it was because she was in that kitchen, you know? Cause it's like, yeah. there's certain weird things. Like she had this red spatula that everyone fought over. And so that's a funny little antidote, but it's like, the reason why we fought over is because she wielded that, you know, spatula. And it was <laughs> special because of the amount of things she, you know, cranked yeah. out with that thing and like how magical it was. Like this woman died and people fought over certain kitchen things of hers and not yeah. because they were great things. You could have found them at any flea market or yard sale, but because she held them, you know, um, she she was one of those magnetic people. And I saw it was because she knew Christ like later on. And so, mm. so yeah, so it's like, that's where I would go back. And I wish it was more, you know, my own household, but clearly, you know, that was the mother to my mother. So sadly, my mom didn't catch that as much as I caught that, but it's just, she made life in all that kitchen, you know, so. Is there any sayings that she would have or? It's so hard because she died around when I was 10. Um, So, like, it's kind of one of those things where they talk about, like, how people can kind of fade in your memory. Can you hear her voice at all or It's very, yeah, it's very faint. She used to sing a lot. So I think, like, that has, because people will uh, always say, like, man, if, if I'm comfortable enough with you, I'll sing in the car with you. Uh, if I feel like I'm like still like, let's not scare you yet. You know, like yeah. I'll, I'll be like, this is a cool bop, you know, but like if we're, we're on another level, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm like yeah. I'm jamming it. Uh, and then if I'm super comfortable, I'm belting it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I've just always been really moved by music and I mm. just will find myself like if I have a quiet moment and I just, it doesn't feel well in my soul, like amazing grace has always been like something that comes to my heart like when my first when I first had my babies people that have newborns you know you're just having a moment like oh my gosh God gave me this baby why I don't understand (laughs) I'm not qualified uh you know they're crying I'm crying and literally what would come out of me is amazing grace Mm -hmm. and like I know why because she would sing that in that kitchen um and I I do distinctly like hear her voice singing it so it's just so cool where it's like the words that is remembered from her life yeah. is like about her king and so it's one of those things there's a um, there's an artist I really like who writes a song it's called Ma's Joint and talks about like uh, when my mother was a mother to her mom and it's talking about like this story of the ma- the the grandma is like losing her memory mm-hmm. you know and so his mom is taking care of her mom and she's saying you know she's forgetting all these things and he has this line and he says you know I'm over here grappling with God why do I make memories when I can't find them when I'm 70 yeah. um, and he says but then my dad sits down and says we make memories because 
they will become magnified when we're not earthly anymore, when we're heavenly. Um, and that just hits me so hard because it's like all these sweet memories that I have with her, like they get to go into eternity because she knows Christ. So, so it's like cool to see like my favorite memory mm-hmm. will only live on, you know, in eternity. So it's pretty special. So I'll probably cry through this whole podcast. I've just okay. realized. <laughs> so you, you should sing my- a song about your grandma. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, if I was a great songwriter, I'm maybe we'll link up with some great songwriters and, and write one. Cause I think it's, it'd be a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. She's, she's landed in a lot of my art pieces and a lot of my mm-hmm. um, my own, like when I speak of, you know, my life, she just always ends up in there and that's beautiful. That's just a sign that we get to, God uses us to be in people's stories and yeah. um, and she was a big part of mine and still, you know, still is. So. Yeah. And also the fact that she was singing, even if she wasn't necessarily sitting you down, looking in your eyes and saying, Ash, this is God, this is Jesus. She was singing him over you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that sticks. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and she prayed prayers for me that I didn't even know she prayed. But yeah. it's like I look at my adult life and I'm like, whoa, God said yes and amen to those prayers. And it's just yeah. that's encouraging to mamas that pray, you know, or just Christians that pray in general. So, yeah. So, well, you kind of answered this, but maybe another opportunity to peel something back. Like looking back, is mm-hmm. there something you appreciate now that you didn't back then? Yeah. I mean, I think I like hit on a couple things, but I think I just didn't. Yeah. I didn't appreciate um, what getting to swim in those waters really, you know, meant. And it's it's kind of, you know, they always have that saying, like, you never know what you're missing till it's gone, you know, mm-hmm. and there's deep truth there. Um, but it's uh, but it's been cool to see that even though those are things I look back and I might have taken for granted, they have only beautifully bled into my life now to where I can learn to not take them for granted, you know, to mm-hmm. see the deep beauty in them, um, which I think is just God's grace and giving us more time, you know, like when God gives us more time, it's just an opportunity to look back and see how he has been so good to us. And it teaches our hearts to rest, teaches our hearts to look for his goodness in the future because we know it was in the past. And you yeah. see that all throughout the scripture where God recounts all of his good ways. And it's like, I haven't learned until these gray hairs have sprouted from my head, you know, with many years. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of tunes your heart to his goodness as you can reflect back and see it. And, and even, you know, like I said, growing up in the household I did, I saw him time and time again say, your life matters to me. I'm stepping in and I'm going to put these people very strategically in your life mm-hmm. in ways that do, do not make sense if I'm not real yeah. um, and I'm not uh, good. Um, so it's like, it's one of those things like you can prove God exists, but if you don't prove that he's good, then you've, you've let someone believe that a bad God exists, but it's yeah. like, he was so kind to me to help me taste and see that he is good. Not just from like, this is who I am, but like feeling it, being in the presence of his people. And that's where it just felt like my life speaks that song of like, they will, when Jesus says they will know me by your love for one another, like, mm-hmm. um, that Christ wasn't just on their lips. It was in the cookies they made. It was in the songs they sang and the way that they interacted with one another. It's like I tasted community in Christ, family in Christ at a very, very young age. And I'm very thankful for that, that I took for granted when I was so young because it was just something I was a part of. And then when I went off to college and had to try to make new community for myself, like I was kind of floundering, you know, because Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh, like. This was just given to me as a sweet gift on a platter, and now I have to go and find it, you know, because I had to leave my high school community to 
you know, uh, branch out into college. And which, you picked VCU, right? Did you go to VCU? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I ended up going to VCU Europe backyard, which isn't too far from Goochland, but I just recognize like the level that you live life with the church. You like proximity really matters. I got that kind of at a young age, just because like I said, the water I swam in, mm-hmm. the fact that I could pop over to someone's house. Like, I mean, I was one of the youngest people in my church that came to Christ. I was in the knitting ministry and I was the youngest. Wait, say that again. I was in the knitting ministry. Yes. Which that's the very Southern Baptist. Uh, so just know that my mouth is wide open I'm telling you Ashton you yeah when you hear the other episodes there's so many times my mouth just like hangs open at what women say okay please tell me what you knitted what did you knit what did I knit what did you knit well uh, well it's so funny I just came to know Christ right where is your knitting ministry right I know right I have I have let the ladies down (laughs) oh well they're chasing you with their needles (laughs) come on back Sorry, that was my old people. I don't know. That was, a, but uh, yeah. So I came to know Christ. I'm like this baby Christian, and I'm like reading the Bible, and I just, you know, I read it and I said, "This is the instruction guide," and it is. Yeah. <laughs> and so I read it that way, and so it's like I land on Titus two, and I'm like, "Oh snap." I got to go find some older women yeah, and they better pour the crap into me. Like, you know, like I got to get, I got to set their feet and learn all their ways. So I literally look for the oldest ladies in our church that okay. I could find. And sure enough, you they are were, that initiative taker. You are. <laughs> I was, I was like, listen, Lord, you're good and you have good things for me. So I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go get it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the oldest ladies I could find were in the knitting so ministry. Shocker. So cool. <laughs> so yeah, they, they were so sweet. They were like, obviously they saw this young lady and I'm like, I remember saying to them, listen, I'm down to learn how to knit and, you know, crochet. I think those skills will serve me because, once again, I will mow a lawn and change a transmitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, But really, I'm here for you giving me wisdom. So just know that's where I'm at. And then they were like, oh, I think that, like, I think to them, like, they were not... They didn't see themselves through those lens and they didn't have young women taking advantage of the gift that they were. And so I think like it was shocking to them, you know, like they were like, what is, what is this thing? And I'm like, it's in the Bible. (laughs) And they're like, we know, but like no young person. So if you're out there, just hear this. Like uh, if you're younger or older, just hear this. Like it is in the Bible and it is a good gift. And, and I, I, I tell people to this day, one of the ladies in there. So the point of the knitting ministry was we knit knit or crochet these blankets okay. that then we give out as a mercy ministry. And if you guys don't know what mercy ministry is, like serving those in need, essentially kind of what mercy ministry falls into. And so if someone was sick in the church or if someone just had a baby okay. or like, you know, if someone um, was like experiencing a loss, like anytime you just need a blanket, basically yeah. like you want a blanket it's around beautiful. you. Like, as we were knitting these, you know, blankets, we were praying for these people. Um, and it just became a beautiful time of prayer for our congregation. I got to know people's stories, good, bad, and ugly, because we were, you know, praying for them and knitting and crocheting for them. And I just remember, like, just learning the power of prayer through these prayer warriors and in our church who they weren't seen, they weren't really known, but they probably drove 
the main ministry in that church because wow. of their faith and prayer um, and how they prayed over the people in our church. And so I'm just sitting at the feet of these women and I'm learning the power of prayer at the ripe old age of 16, 17. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I remember one of them in there, um, thank her, if I remember her, I think her name was Betsy. It's, it's been that long. And I'm like forgetting names, but little old Betsy. Yeah. She would say, um, you know, we'd just be talking about something hard in our week or something's going on, like someone in the congregation is, you know, struggling. She'd be like, well, she'd be like, we're going to pray for him. Because, you know, praying saints, she's like, that makes Satan shake in his boots. <laughs> and I was like, and that just like run chills through my like spine. I'm like, because it was so true. It's like, yeah. you know, like the enemy has no foothold when faith is present in Christ. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, stuff like that is still stuck to this day. And, uh, and, and that taught me, even through finding you through these knitting ministry, it taught me to like, see what the Bible says is good and the good gifts that God has for us and to chase it down and find it where it is to be found. And mm-hmm. I think that did serve me when I went to college because even though I felt like I was floundering because it wasn't just handed to me in a silver platter, like yeah. I had to like read the Bible and then say, look for his people, look for the people who are, that who look like him, you mm-hmm. know, search out the light, find the light. You can and smell them. Yeah, I mean, I can smell them, taste them, knit them at this point, you know, like I'm like, I know every like sense yeah. how, how it seems. And, yeah. and that was a gift to me because it really, it landed me in a community that has, you know, it's like that high school community hugely shaped me, mm-hmm. but it only, you know, propelled me into a, a community that would shape me to my core even more it was like level up you know what I mean like because it's like the church that I came to know Christ I think they were really trying to be faithful in so many different ways um but they just had some compartmentalizing that I think like weakened them um and I think a lot of those leaders that I went back and talked to later would admit the same thing that it was Mm -hmm. just a lack of discernment on some of those things and since they've really grown and it's been beautiful to like know that uh about them and cheer them on from here in Richmond but um but it just propelled me into a community that would have all of those taste smells Mm -hmm. sounds you know touch um but it would just be another level of living life and another level of discipleship that would just continue to just wash the word over me and change me to my being and to have people that turn into family like you never would know family you know like Mm -hmm. family where you know the proverbs talk about like the friend that's like a brother born out of adversity like everyone in the room is walking out but this person is staying you know like no matter what comes whatever may come they're in your corner uh loving you and that still means they're gonna say hard things and they're gonna point out some things that you might not be excited about but like but it's because they deeply love you and they're for your good and you're thriving and so so by god's grace i ended up you know, being able to smell that out and find that on campus. And it was, it has been a blessing to this day that that community remains the community that I get to be a part of today. So yeah, that was a long answer, but I took for granted that teaching, that discipleship, that was just the water I swam in that mm-hmm. now has served me so well, you know, to today. So I'm so glad you shared that. That was beautiful. <laughs> knitting. Um, so we have to wrap up this episode, but I really would love if you would talk a little bit about 
what you studied in college and um, just a little bit about being there. Yes, VCU was another gift. I was an art student, but sometimes I joke that I paid thousands of dollars to find a Christ community and a baller (laughs) husband. And that's not, that's not all it was, but that, that, (laughs) I always joke, I'm like, that's kind of what came out of it though. Uh, But no, I was an art kid, shocker, you know, the the flower child art kid, you know, turned and went to, went to art school, which is funny. I didn't actually go specifically to VCU to go to art. I actually went there to do um, criminal justice and and science, uh, criminal science and all that kind of stuff, because there was a part of me, because of my background, I, you know, hunger and thirsted for justice Mm -hmm. and seeking justice. And, and uh, that was also wrapped up in there was people pleasing. And so like God has over the years been breaking that down to me. So I literally went to college to please my, you know, broken parents. (laughs) And I picked that major for that. And then I got into it. I'm like, this is miserable. This is terrible. I don't like this at all. I mean, I I was fascinated by it with, you know, all the knowledge and information, but my heart just wasn't in it. I could tell this was not my my calling, my giftings. This was something that I thought someone else would want this to be my calling gifting. So so then I would just decide to be a rebel and go to art school. Yeah. (laughs) When everyone's telling me, you're not going to be able to get a job. I'm like for sure they did for sure they did yeah I think if I I meet an art student that wasn't told that I feel like I would just give them a hundred bucks on the spot because I'd be like it's that rare Uh, but but I was like I understand but like I need to do I need to start at ground zero with I know that this is a gift that God has given me and I just need to figure out what that looks like Mm -hmm. um and by God's grace it wasn't just like a great University VCU was kind of one of those underground universities. People thought it was a joke when I was going, but it was like low key yeah. a really great art school that like just people didn't even know because they didn't take it seriously because it wasn't good at like the math and the sciences and stuff like that that yeah. usually universities are like known for. But for some reason, the robust art department was just coming to life uh, well, around the time. Do you know the was. story behind that? The lady Teresa Pollock. She had a vision that VCU needed an art school, and it didn't. You probably know the Pollock building. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. totally. And I forget if it was just some random building or out of her house, but whatever it is, she was like, we need an art something. And it just started super small, even like Remnant did, with just like the smallest amount of people that you can imagine. That's amazing. And then now Ryan and I just marvel at it. Like one person's vision is like, this is possible, and now look at obviously is a number one art school in the country i know right so um, well that's encouraging to hear because i feel like once again the water i swim and i just didn't even know you know because it's like i literally went because i was like i went for a different subject and so when i switched once again i felt like i just stepped into this gift you know that i didn't even know existed i mean some of my professors were were like world renowned for their art i mean i had like a korean professor on hand, hand building and clay which you know if you're in the clay department in ceramics you know what i'm talking about if you don't I don't. It's I'll okay. describe it's... it to anyone interested in person. <laughs> uh, but she was known in Korea for this art form, like mm. world renowned. And she came and taught at VCU. I'm like, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm thankful, but what are you doing here? Like yeah. the pieces that she had in her studio. I'm just like. So what was your niche? What did you do? Uh, my medium. Pottery? So I fall. I fell under the umbrella of art history and art education. And so because of that, because I always knew like it, it impressed upon me just like the my art teacher, the way like they that she just pursued me and then just showed me like 
I can take a gift that I have and I can really influence someone's life um, specifically because I know Christ, it, mm. it levels it up. And so mm-hmm. in my mind, I was always like, how do I use my gift in a way that I think I'm skilled to like influence someone towards the light? And okay. so for me, I was like, I even at a very young age, I just have always really loved taking really hard concepts and bringing them down really small mm-hmm. and palatable for uh, for people to grasp in a way that they fall in love with it and then like want to do it themselves and can, you know, I make it accessible if that's, that's kind of what teachers do at the end of the day, you're making it accessible. Then that's just one of the many descriptions of a teacher. It's very truncated, but, yeah. um, so I knew that about myself and I knew like, um, I wanted to use this gifting. So that was like the umbrella that I fell, all the rest fell under, but my specific, uh, niche techniques was, uh, ceramics, um, and painting, painting, I wouldn't say like I was uber skilled there just wasn't a robust drawing at the time (laughs) I was definitely more of like a sketcher uh I would sketch anything and everything and every Mm. note I ever had had some type of sketch on it I was like I was fascinated with just movement and trying to capture Mm -hmm. a moment in someone's face and an emotion and so and you still do that I still I still do it in my own weird unique ways. It's usually with my doodles with my yeah. with my kiddos. That's uh, what you're doing in the pews, Ashton, right? That, that's exactly. <laughs> I'm sketching all the pastors yeah. in their best angles. Yeah. Watch out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh yeah, I usually like uh definitely end up sketching in some way but um but yeah so I ended up in the painting department because there wasn't a robust drawing but I would say my strength is more in sketching and drawing um and then ceramics like just the um the three 2d took 3d mm-hmm. and um so that's what I really enjoyed the most I wanted to be the type of high school art teacher that was able to bring the strength of a ceramics to a to a department yeah chose VCU um Loved it. Um, Definitely glad that I chose VCU, uh, not just for the art program because it was stellar, but because I found just that light, you know, that I was looking for. Um, I ended up going to like the freshman welcome week, which they throw like nine million, you know, brochures and cards and advertisements at you. And you're like, cool, I'm not overwhelmed. It's fine. And I took my hoard of all those things and mm-hmm. scurried back to my dorm room. Um, and just this whole time feeling really hungry for a community because mm-hmm. here I am a Christian. I've decided to go to art school. All my roommates at that time were either art school or theater students. And <laughs> we live crazy lives. Uh, so <laughs> just crazy things were happening where I'm like, man, I really wish I had other Christians to like, yeah. like, and I'm sharing the gospel with them. And they're asking me questions that I never met, like the questions I probably asked to other people sure, and was yeah. like, but I never really thought for myself. And so I was just kind of, that was a, fl- that was a flandering kind of as I was feeling like the, oh no, I need this. Like I can't do this by myself. Like mm-hmm. God hasn't called me to that. And so I was about to give up on VCU, honestly, um, because I was just like miserable. Cause even though I love the art school, I was just having a hard time. All of my friends were I was a friend to them, but they weren't a friend to me. Like, because number one, I'm the weird Christian girl that they're like, whoa, Jesus. (laughs) And also I'm showing up to them holding their hair as they're vomiting in the toilet. But, you know, but if I was like, oh, man, like my bike got stolen. Can you help me? They're like, deuces, you know. So I was just like, man, I've got no one in my corner. Like, and they definitely don't understand, like, my need for prayer and Mm -hmm. encouragement. And, you know, and it's like, I know that I need both. I know I need to be a friend and be a light. But I also need people to spur me on in the race and build them up and all that kind of stuff. So, so I was literally about to give up. I was about to go home for Christmas and say, VCU, I'm out. As I was like packing stuff away in my dorm, I found one of the cards. And it was like, I thought it was for a fraternity or sorority, because it said like, 
Greek for truth. And so mm-hmm. I would just saw Greek and I was like, sorority. F-. And I told myself I wouldn't do that because I did not see myself as that type of person, like yeah. sorority fraternity. That's great if that's somebody else. It just wasn't me. But uh, but then as I looked closer, it said Greek for truth. And it was like Aletheia. And I, oh, yeah. I was like, weird. I was like, that doesn't, that feels different. And so I flipped it over and it was like, you know, a campus Christian organization. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh. It says it's Christian. Let's give it a try, you yeah. know. Like, and it said it had like a service, and the service was that evening. It was wild. Wow. And I was oh, like, uh, chills once again, on my arms. right? Like, God was like, I got you. I'm oh, literally man. answering prayers as you're praying them. As you're packing, Ashton. as I'm packing, yeah. about to give up on where I thought God. I was like, God, oh. I thought you told me to come here. So, so literally, good. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go. We're gonna give it a try, and d- depending on how it goes, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Like whether I stay or go. Uh, it's like that song, should I stay or should I go? Just it's like, like that. it. Exactly. Yeah, just like it. Just like exactly. it. And um, so anyway, I walk in. It's like in this theater on campus, the Commons mm-hmm. Theater. Walk in and like, once again, just like that aroma. Like it, I could immediately just like sense among the people, like just mm-hmm. this difference that I knew very well. Like I said, the water I swam in. And so I was like, oh, but part of me was like, too good to be true. Like, I don't know. Mm. And then so I'm like that creeper that goes all the way back to the back and sits in the corner because for whatever reason, usually I'm going to go get her. But that night I was like, no, nope. yeah. turn it back into my creepy, you know, outsider ways. And I said the back and yeah, sure enough, like this worship starts and it's solid, just worship about who God is and very like deep, rich, you know, biblical truth through the worship. And then yeah. like this guy gets up. Come to know him as, you know, Josh Soto. I was going to say. Yeah. say his name. Yeah. Like Josh Soto, who stands up there and he just. Praise God. He, yeah, he proclaims the word in such, in such a way that he, you could tell like he was, he was bringing it all back to the Bible and all back to the word. And that was the authority that he was standing on. And so I'm like, check, check, check. You know, all yeah. the checks are going to my head. I'm like, okay. So it all ends. And I'm like, I should probably just bounce. Cause I like, for some reason I was feeling overwhelmed. And part of it was probably cause. I think it was that overwhelming moment of like, God, is this like, did you really just like answer that prayer in this way? And like, just overwhelmed by the goodness, but like my, you know, like still part anxious self that he's trying to get rid of, you know, it's like, "Ah, we gotta go. We gotta go. (laughs) And so I'm like trying to book it out of this place. Like not in like an obvious way, we're like break out, you know, why is that chick running? You know, but like (laughs) out of a very like cool, like this has been fun. Okay. Bye. And I'm like kind of walking, speed walking, you know, out. And then all of a sudden, I hear like this pattern of feet, you know, behind me. Who was it? And I'm like, oh my gosh, is someone chasing me? And I'm like, look behind. There's this, this beautiful, tiny uh, lady named Mary Ann who's just like, <gasps> oh my goodness. Hey, I saw you. You're new, right? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. Uh, and I was like, and she's like, well, hey, thanks for coming. And I'm just, I mean, and she's like, well, what's your major? And she's like, going in, you know, yeah. and I'm like, oh man, I'm like, I'm an art student. And I'm immediately, I'm like, don't stereotype me if that way, though. If you want <laughs> to meet people, bring Marianne. Right? She is the she best. She can meet. She can talk to a, a wall. And yeah. it would be warm and inviting. So, so yeah. So, Marianne got sick on me from the Lord. So, we all knew I was his in that moment. Because, you know, uh, so she's chasing me down. So, and then immediately she's like, okay, number. <laughs> I need your number. And I'm like, what? Uh, so <laughs> I'm I, packing, lady. <laughs> right? I know. I'm like, whoa. Uh, but I give her my number because I'm crazy. And then, then I get, so I go back to my dorm room and I'm like, I'm literally like crying. I'm like, Lord, is this too good to be true? Yeah. Um, she was like, well, you should come to one of the Bible studies we do. And I was like, okay, Bible studies. 
see, I know that. So I roll up and it happened to be a co-ed one that they were doing on campus where it was Josh and this other, you know, female on staff. And I walk in and I was late because I couldn't find the thing. And literally like, it's like a smaller group. And I walk in and Josh sort of looks at me and I vaguely heard the question, but I think I was like in shock that like I was late and everyone was looking at me. And he was like, he asked the question. I thought I heard it, but kind of didn't. And then he looked at me and was like, well, what do you think, girl? And I was like, meh. Like, I'm gonna hit the floor. Uh, And so I'm just like, and he's like, oh, and by the way, you can sit next in between me and the female staff member that's like leaning on this thing. And I was like, you had no choice. I had no choice. The Lord said, you are, (laughs) I'm getting you so hard. And so I sat down, most awkward 30 minutes of my life, I'm sure. Because I was like, Jesus. And I think he was like, yeah, that's that's right, girl. I'm like, I've been to I've been to Sunday school. I, I kind of know a yeah. little bit, uh, and so that kind of freaked me out. But from that point, some of the girls in that study was like, "Hey, there's also a girls' Bible study, mm-hmm. and would you want us to pick you up for that? That's at someone else's house." And I, I'm telling you, this was the type of freshman I was. Like, I was like, "No stranger danger." I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll get in a car with you and go to some random person's house, and I know none of you." I'm like, "Sounds great." Uh, yeah. And so they were like, "We'll pick you up in front of your dorm." Praise God. I got come out of the dorm that night and then there's like these two other scared looking freshmen. And I'm like, I'm like, are you, are you being kidnapped for Bible study too? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so we're in this together. And yeah. they're like, yeah. And coming to find out that was like, um, now her name's Sandra King. Oh my God. Sandra Beale at the time. And then, uh, Ryan Williams. Ryan was Williams. Ryan Thornton at the time. Yep. And so literally we're in cooped up in the back of this car. We're just like, you know, me and Ryan and are friends bonding to this day. Yeah. Literally some of my best friends to this day. Yeah. Beautiful. And so, uh, literally we're me and Ryan bonding over the fact that we have male, female names, you know, I ended up at an SAT military prep school for boys for my SATs <laughs> because they thought I was a dude, like, and I'm the only female. And so immediately I'm like, SATs are already like pure pressure, like so much pressure. And oh, then I'm man. in a r- sea of men, sea of men. And I'm like, ah, oh, uh, but God. anyway, so we're bonding. So we go to this Bible say once again, peep the people, the word, it's beautiful. And then literally Josh and Chantel kind of just become our little mom and dad, soak mm-hmm. us into this community, love us like crazy and like Christ. And they just did a lot of the hard work of discipling us up to look like, yeah. what does it look like for the Bible to come to life in your life? Mm-hmm. Um, does it look like to live life as a community, like yeah. break bread together, uh, bear each other's burdens. Um, it's the first time I was taught how to share the gospel with complete strangers. Because up until this point, I'm like crying at sleepovers with my friends, you know, and sharing the gospel. And that's great. That's a whole lane and vibe, you know. But like, I'd never just thought to go up to a random rando and be like, hey, yeah, want to talk about Jesus, you yeah. know, like, uh, but to do it in such a way that was uh, winsome and, you know, um, and kind and getting to know, you know, like mm-hmm. just to be able to start, strike up a conversation with just no one that you knew to begin with, but they're your friend by the end and you've shared the gospel with them. And I got to sit, you know, at their feet, just like I did with, you know, my knitting ladies and just learn, you know, and they were learning a lot of things. They were married for the first time. They were starting to have kids at the first time. Like I just really got to see the Bible come to life in their own life. Mm. And as they spoke of him, I saw it like painted in their whole life, you know? Um, And that won me into the community where I'm like, okay, this is my new ride or dies. Like, I'm here and we're building this. And and those people became family to me. Like, then all of a sudden VCU felt like home because those people were home. You know, like I had Christians with me in the library 
crying and praying for classmates that I was sharing with and that we just wanted them to know Jesus, you know, like helping me when I'm going into the studio, chopping up with one of my atheist friends that, you know, would later come to know Christ and getting to celebrate, like all those things along the way, Mm -hmm. getting to meet what I didn't know would be my best friend, you know, because she didn't know Jesus and then her coming to know Jesus and she would be my best friend. Like, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. like getting to do those life things together and then like, getting to be immersed in this beautiful community and grow and blossom. Um, and then eventually my husband joining that, that, that church didn't know it was my husband, but he was yeah. and getting to start that story there. So yeah. So VCU to me is definitely the art school's baller, but God had yeah. so much more. Um, you know, that was one of the gifts, but he had a greater, uh, just major gift to, to help, put that gift in perspective. Um, so that's my VCU um, experience. We're I feel gonna like I'm leave. still living a lot of it. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to leave everybody on the cliffhanger because now I'm like, what happened next? But you just have to ask questions. You have to. You have to you start just a have conversation to. with me. And I feel like everything that you just closed with is just a beautiful lead into the next part of the podcast, which will wrap mm. up the episode. And Ashton's voice will close us out. And she has brought... Um, with her today how do I say this <laughs> she wants to she wants to honor um I'll say some ladies on the podcast today for their mm. godly virtue and mm. so I'll let you close this out yeah um yeah Laura asked me to like you know um call out some some vessels of grace and I was just saying it was it was a tall order and hard to do um and also just wanting to kind of let their giftings just be shown more through the lens of how Christ is our ultimate friend and through him they have shined. And so I actually a while ago had written kind of like a poem, kind of like a story about these friends along the way, um, kind of bounce. It's kind of like a commentary off of uh, C.S. Lewis's The Four Loves. He has a quote in there that really has shaped my view of friendship, and hopefully maybe it's a gift to you. But the quote is, in friendship, we think we have chosen our peers. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our birth, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university instead of another, the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at first meeting, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are strictly speaking no chances. A secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to the disciples, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, ye have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. The friendship is not a reward for our discriminating and good taste in finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of the others. And so out of that quote just came this story. And so if you're listening and you are these women, I know that you will hear of God's faithfulness through this poem and this story. And I hope that it's an encouragement to you. And for those of you who are looking for... um, for friends in Christ, I hope that it can just speak of Christ through people um, and how he does bring people in our lives for, for our good. So the story is called My Shepherd, My Friend. My shepherd, my friend, woke me by the still water. In my hand, something was placed. As I rubbed the sleep out of my eye and my vision became clear, there lay a flower in my palm. Oh, carnation, you are thought to be cheap. 
but you symbolize the fierce love of a mother. You smell of loyalty, protection, wisdom, and gentle care. I knew you to be the purest of loves, and so I saved you for my bouquet. My shepherd, my friend, woke me by the still water and placed something in my hand. To my surprise, another flower rested on my palm. Oh dear chamomile, literal medicine for body and soul, you symbolize. Patience in adversity. I smelt your sweet steadfastness and steady love. It was with you I felt secure and known. I, with great joy, added you to my bouquet. My shepherd, my friend, woke me by the still water with a treasure in my hand. I had come to expect this delight now, and with eagerness cleared my eyes. There you were, Edelweiss, dainty upon my palm. I smelled you, and your scent of courage and devotion flowed into my senses and anchored deep into my heart. As I stood at the precipice of a raging storm, you found me there, anchored my feet firmly, and rested my soul so deeply that laughter flowed freely from my once trembling mouth. I cherished you, and with utter awe added you to my, ba my bouquet. My shepherd, my friend, woke me by still waters, but this time I jumped to my feet in anticipation for my new flower, and I was met with a fatherly chuckle and a treasure placed most gently in my palm. Oh, Iris, how I longed for you, and here you are. Deeply I bury my nose into your delicious scent of trust, wisdom, and hope. I found that your scent both sent my heart dancing and ablaze all at the same time. I felt home. You became one of the truest companions, and so with great delight I placed you in my bouquet. Nighttime comes, and sleep overcomes me, but I fall asleep excited to see. My shepherd, my friend, the one whom these flowers were a mere shadow and reflection made by his loving hand, I will treasure these gifts for my shepherd, my friend. One of those flowers in my bouquet that Jesus has given me, um, who's just been with me the longest, um, is Susan Crump. Um, she is, to me, just an embodiment of Proverbs 17, 7, or 17, 17, excuse me. Uh, it says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Um, and of course, that means a sister born uh, in that context. But um, she's just been with me um, since the beginning in a lot of ways. Um, we met on the dance floor. We stepped on each other's toes <laughs> as freshmen in college. Um, and she came to know the Lord. Um, and we have walked many valleys and mountaintops together. But she's always pointed me to Christ. Um, she's always been someone, uh, a voice of hope and a vessel of grace to me. Um, she's been with me on my hardest days and my best days. Um, and she has remained uh, just that beautiful voice of, of but remember Christ. And that's a, that's a sweet, sweet gift to me. Um, so I am thankful for her. Um, she is hopefully um, going to walk with me until the kingdom come and um and it's an honor to walk with her so i'm thankful for her and i would uh love to pray for her so jesus um thank you for my dear sister susan um and just you knew the type of friend that i needed uh when you sent her um you knew all that 
you would do through her in my life um, and the ways that you would use her um, in mighty ways to shape me as the woman that you are creating me to be. I thank you that you have done such a beautiful work in her heart, that you have made her a woman who um, anchors her heart and her life in your truth. She builds her life on the rock, which is you, Christ. Um, she is living a life that is a sweet aroma to you, Christ, because of your work in her. Um, she is a woman to be praised because of her uh, treasuring of you and her heart, Christ, and um, all the ways that she just faithfully walks out um, the Great Commission every day uh, in the in the mundane and the and the beautiful unseen. Um, so I thank you for her, and I um, am just uh, so grateful that you have given me that gift of grace in her, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to The Whole Home Podcast, a podcast that displays the unity of sisters in the local church and the way God so wonderfully gives us to each other in our uniqueness and in our sameness for His glory. The stories we share weave together as one grand testimony to the work of Christ and His faithful presence in the garden of our lives. Remember, the master gardener is always at work, so let's yield to him and grow where we're planted.